City. <laughs> Love you guys. Oh. No, no, thank you. Go ahead, grab a seat, please. Listen, thank you so much, Overlake, for having me, for putting up with me. You know, there's been a lot of highs and lows in 10 years. And so what I want to do from the very bottom of my heart is say thank you so much for being on the journey with me. And I do want you to know that um, this latest book project is dedicated to you, Overlake. And uh, I just want to read it real quickly. It says, I dedicate this book to my friends at Overlake Christian Church. You are truly the best church family I know, making the most radical difference in this world, building a beautiful culture of worship first, balanced by outlandish love. You make this a great place to be on the journey, an incredible place to raise my family. Thank you so much, Overlake, for having me, for putting up with me. It's been a great 10 years, and honestly, friends, I just look forward to the next season. God willing, he gives us 10, 20, 30. I don't know how many more I've got to go, but I just, I love the opportunity to serve with you. And we have been, you know, I love preaching about Jesus. I love talking about the, the hope that we have in Jesus and the grace that's found in Jesus and the love that's available in Jesus and the journey that we have as we walk in the truth of Jesus. And I'm excited to keep charging the hill with you. So God bless you. Thank you so much for these last 10 years. I love you. Bottom of my heart, I love you. I, I do want to now shut the door on that and turn the corner. Um, we are introing the, the next, uh, we're going to do five weeks uh, starting next week, and today's just the intro for this. But what I want to do is I, I want to begin by reading an email that I received a few months ago after the Sunday services, and it was written by a dad who is, his son is on the soccer team. I, I coach Doozy's soccer team, and this was from a, a dad of one of the boys on the team. He had visited, he wrote this email to all of the families on the soccer team. And this is what he said. It says, to our soccer families, today I had the pleasure of watching Coach Mike Howerton, a.k.a. Doozy's dad, speak. If you did not know, Mike is the lead pastor at Overlake Church in Redmond. I had suspected that Mike was a good speaker since Overlake is such a large church and their leader would have to be good. I underestimated just how good. So, so nice. Uh, Mike is one of the best speakers I have ever seen. We all know how warm and fun he is. This is also projected when he speaks to his church. His passion, humor, and caring exude from him. He also did something I have rarely seen. He did not meander from his message nor get lost along the way. His beginning, middle, and end followed in a logical, easy-to-follow way. Though he used an outline, his sermon appeared to just instantly flow from his heart. I was just so impressed with him. If not for the fact that I am Jewish, I would join his church. <laughs> if you have not seen Mike speak, I urge you to ask Mike which service he will be running and to go see him. Thanks for inviting me, Mike. I truly enjoyed seeing you in action. I guess the point is that I'm pretty awesome. <laughs> Kind of a big deal. Uh, no, no, I'm just kidding. And I wrote most of this email myself. <laughs> just kidding. No, just kidding. 
Listen, this is a nice email, obviously, and uh, it sure beats some of the other emails I get from time to time. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to highlight two things from this email. One thing that he completely omits, one thing that he does in spades. So I, I'm just going to use this as a, 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 a kind of a direction for where we're going this morning. And the first thing is what he didn't mention. The, the truth that he did not notice and he overlooked and so many of us need to be reminded of because it's what we overlook as well, and it's this, that if the message had not been supported by creative props and PowerPoint and video support, it would not have flowed well, and that means additional leadership behind the scenes. If the sounds and light and tech team wasn't spot on, then it would not have flowed well. And that means another behind the scenes team is involved. If I didn't get up after a powerful worship set, it would not have flowed well. That means that Stearns works with roughly 60 volunteer leaders over the course of every single week. If there wasn't a ton of love in the room because we are learning how to connect with one another in a warm and honestly heartfelt manner, then it would not have flowed well. If our youngest family members weren't happily learning in their classrooms, it would not have flowed well. And that means another 250 plus volunteer leaders in Kidtown ministry and student ministries. If his coffee was cold, if he was rudely treated on the way in, if the restrooms were a mess, if the air conditioning didn't work in this room. And the point that I'm trying to make is that it all flows together. The response to the message is being set from the signage at the curb, the assistance in the parking lot. It's the greeting and the wayfinding in the hallway and the smiles all along the way. It all happens before he even got in this room. And of course, I haven't even mentioned all of the leaders serving during the week, all of our care and support leaders, all of our life group leaders, all of our serve the world leaders. And you put all of this leadership together and you can see how an outlandishly loving, passionate and united, servant-hearted church can accomplish infinitely more than any single individual can do. And that happens when we are all plugged in to the one power source that we've been talking about all through the month of September. That is the Holy Spirit of God filling each and every one of his sons and daughters, all those who have placed their trust in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So I just want to say over like, this is who you are. This is what he is not seeing. I love serving weekly with hundreds and hundreds of leaders at Overlake. And if you are not yet plugged into a ministry, then I can only say, I long to serve with you. I would love to encourage you to get plugged in, jump in, begin to serve, begin to actively be a part of this first church, right? The body of Jesus Christ, how we're all impacting one another as his church. And I want to take a look at a verse from 1 Corinthians, verse 12, or chapter 12, starting in verse 25. The Apostle Paul writes, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. So take a look at that verse. I want you to circle a few of the phrases. The first is harmony among the members, right? That, that when we're all working together, when we're all playing the role that God has for us to play, then there's harmony among the members of the body. And then circle the word all, so that all the members care for each other. One suffers, all parts suffer. If one part is honored, all parts are glad. 
okay? And that is a, a beautiful thing to keep in mind. It's, it's what the first email overlooks, that the church is us. It's all of us. We all have a role to play. And when one part of the church is honored, all of us are glad. That's a beautiful picture of what God has in mind for his church. But the second thing the email does, specifically and intentionally, this dad on the soccer team that I help coach, he invites 10 families to check out Overlay Christian Church. Specifically, his is an invitational email that goes out to all 10 families. And this, friends, is what I want to challenge God's church today. I want to challenge us to share and to grow together by inviting and bring inviting our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers. And specifically, I'm bringing this up so that we would be invitational and bring-vitational for this series that we're launching into called The Ride of Your Life. Okay. That's what's coming up. These next five weeks are going to be perfect weeks for us to invite, bring, invite, reach out into our cities, our communities, our neighborhoods, and invite others to come along with us. And the reason why I can say this is because I've spent the last two years uh, praying and planning and writing and so this is actually much more than a series. This is, um, it's the most encouraging book I know how to write because this book is, it kind of categorizes the invitation that Jesus issues to each and every one of us for the abundant life. And so it's just, it's a really, uh, to me, I wrote it with this idea that you could give this book literally to anybody in your life and it would be an encouragement to them. It would be something that you could walk just about any of your friends and family members that you could say, hey, let's read this together. Let's talk about it. And the premise, you might be thinking, oh, look, they, they've got a thing on bikes. They must have got a deal, you know, at the Redmond Bike Store. No, although I will say, E.T. is not going to appear on that bike, you know, and sail off into the distance. The metaphor of this whole series is several years ago when I was teaching my son Caleb to ride a bike, God kind of downloaded five lessons. He was totally overwhelmed, could not figure out how to get this bike thing going. And so I, I said, Caleb, I'll teach you how to ride a bike, but it'll take five lessons. And I feel like God kind of just dropped this in my lap. The first lesson is no fear. How come no fear? Because your dad has you. Your dad's never going to let you go. Second lesson Balance. How do you balance? You pedal. Third lesson, steering. Where you look, you go. Fourth lesson, braking. How to slow and when to stop. And the fifth lesson is starting again from a standstill, often after a fall. And in the years that have ensued after I taught my son those five lessons, by the way, he figured it out real quick. He was, he's a great bike rider. But I do want you to understand that God has shown me that these five lessons have come up again and again and again. And as we walk through these five lessons, you'll see this is the invitation that Jesus is offering to us to the abundant life. Now, I hate to take a moment to do this, but these days when a pastor plugs his own book, he has to make it very, very clear. So let me just make this very, very clear. All of the book sales that are happening on our campus uh, for this book, for any of my books during this series, I'm not making a dime off of any of them. Not even a dime. I want to send my kids to college, but you're not helping pay for them by buying this book, okay? That's just not what's going to happen. Now, we will make a profit on all of the books sold, and I want you to know they all will go to Kidtown Park and Cafe. 
It's one of the Blessing My City projects that we have committed to as a church. And so, yes, we want to make a, a profit on these books, but every single penny that we make on these books is going to go straight to that project, okay? So I just, I, I do want you to hear that loud and clear. Not only do I want to tell you that, but I also want you to understand that by buying these books at our campus today, they're here on the author's discount. So they actually don't even count towards like total books sold. So you need to understand, you're, you're actually not even helping buy me towards any kind of bestseller list at all. In fact, I'm nowhere near any kind of bestseller list. I, my books take off like a herd of turtles, okay? <laughs> I want to tell you that we did just a quick tally. To date, I have now given away three times as many books as I have sold total. So I'm a best giving author, okay? Somebody asks, oh, I never heard of him. Yeah, you won't. He's given away most of his books, all right? So I just want to be really, really clear. And then the last thing I want to say is it's, it's also true that we never want to make money an issue that will prevent people from joining in. So if you find yourself in a season where finance is seriously an issue and you're totally strapped uh, and you'd like to buy a book, just stop by, tell the volunteers that, and they will set you one up, uh, up with one for free, okay? So we never want to make money an issue. Let me just say one last thing. We do want to make a profit. All the profit's going to go towards Kidtown Parking Cafe. So uh, when, we, when the last time we did this, several of you went into hyper-generous mode. So some of you bought two books and wrote a check for $50. In between services, I, I don't know who did this, but I heard a report that some dear soul bought 10 books and paid $800 so that that profit could go to Kidtown Park and Cafe. So if God stirs you to be generous, God bless you. Thank you for being a part of this journey, okay? And the reason why I'm pushing so hard in all this, friends, is because next weekend is what we're calling Bring a Friend Sunday. Bring a Friend Sunday. And so the challenge that I'm issuing you, the same challenge that this guy who wrote the email picked up, is that we want to bring friends and family, coworkers, classmates, we want to bring neighbors, we want to bring family members with us. So the idea is that you would grab a few books, one for you, one for a couple of friends, and that it would be something that you could put in their hands and say, hey, uh, let's go through this book together. Let's read it together. Let's talk about it. Why don't you join me at church? We're walking through through the thing together, okay? All of this is simply background because the challenge is that you and I would actually get to the heart of Jesus. Because what Jesus said about himself, this is Jesus' own words about his purpose statement. He said, I came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus is, he's the one who says, look, I don't care how far you may have wandered from God, I'm here to say, come to me. All you who are weary and brokenhearted, come to me, and I will give you rest. Jesus is the one who's saying to those who are absolutely marginalized and despised and stigmatized, he's the one who says to them, come, you who have never been invited to a banquet, come and feast with me. We want you here. There's a place for you at this table. Jesus is the one who finds the despised scoundrel, the one who, who is, he, he's black-hearted by his own description, and he climbs the sycamore tree on the very edge of the road so that he can maybe get a glimpse at what God's doing. And Jesus says, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm coming to your house today. We are going to sup together. This is the inviting Jesus Christ. 
the bringviting Christ, the Christ who enters into lives and invites others to come with him. And friends, you and I have the great privilege of extending that same invitation. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You take a look at those last couple of lines. What he's saying is that Jesus has performed this trade, that he became our sin. All of our sin went on Christ, and Christ's righteousness has come to us. Right? This is the most unfair trade in the universe. Jesus has taken our guilt and our shame, our stain. Any time that we have ever wounded ourselves or others, he's taken all of that on himself. And in its place, he's given us his righteousness. Right? That's for all of us who have trusted in Christ. And friends, if that's you, then look at the first line because that's what you are. Then you are ambassadors for Christ. You are the emissary of Jesus in your neighborhood. You, you are the delegation sent by God to your workplace. You are the one who's been sent to communicate on behalf of God, right? For God, you're communicating, be reconciled to God, just as he has reconciled you through Jesus Christ. Now you get the privilege of inviting others to come with you in your faith journey. So that's why there's no time for timidity. This is not a time to shirk back. This is a time for us to press forward and to invite, right? And so here's the next verse, 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 8. God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So you must never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Never ashamed. We don't have the spirit of fear. We have the spirit of Jesus. Jesus who crashes into parties. Jesus who was the life of a party, right? Jesus who, who transformed eternities. He is the one who lives inside of us. So if you're filling in the blanks, let me challenge you to some aggressive risk-taking this week. Uh, the first, if you're filling in the blanks, I want to challenge you to intentionally risk friendliness this week. Risk friendliness. Uh, some of you are naturally friendly. Others of you, this is a challenge you must take to heart, right? Uh, I'm encouraging you to be aggressively friendly in a heartfelt way uh, this week, that you would go out of your way to care and to love and to serve those in your sphere of influence for the sake of the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus, in his own words, says this. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you're also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So Jesus himself says, look, this is how the entire world is going to understand that I'm legitimate. This is how my reputation goes up in the world. This, this is how the message, I came as love incarnate. This is how the message of God gets out when you love. You love one another. You love the people in your world. Jesus says, this is how people are going to know. So I really am just talking about being friendly 
inviting conversations, caring tangibly for those in your neighborhood, those in your workspace, those that are in your community, your parish. There's no need to get goofy about this, by the way. I know Christians often, we hear evangelism, we just go kind of nutso, and we just, it's like Fritz, we don't know how to do it in a, in a natural way. You sneeze at the office, somebody says, God bless you, you go, no, God bless you, son of Adam, daughter of Eve, you know? And it's just weird, it's unnatural. You're walking your dog, somebody says, hey, nice dog. You're like, you know, dog spelled backwards is God, and he too can be your best friend. And it's just, it's just uncomfortable. It doesn't make any sense. Somebody's like, hey, bud, what are you doing after lunch? You're like, Haha, what are you doing after you die? And that's not what I'm encouraging. I'm not encouraging you to, to get, you know, kind of crazy. Don't make a list, you know, and then tell somebody, hey, Joe, you're number four on my unsaved heathen list. You know, I'm praying for you. It's like all kinds of pagans on this list. That's, that's not at all what I'm talking about. I, I'm simply talking about be natural, be caring, be loving, be friendly, be yourself, the best part of yourself, right, to those that are in your world. And God will use your friendliness for the sake of his good news. He will use your care to communicate his care. Now, there are many people at Overlake who do this well, but I want to introduce you to somebody who I think does it better than just about anyone I know. It's my friend Janie. So Janie, why don't you come up here? Janie Ward has been a friend of mine for years. Yeah, let's go ahead and introduce or welcome Janie as she comes. Thank you very much. From a young age, I can remember believing in Jesus, having made a decision of faith. I feel like I was born knowing Jesus. That said, I've not always led a perfect life, but I've never doubted Jesus' love for me, and I've always embraced the grace and forgiveness that Jesus offers. For the most part of my life, I felt content with my faith and time of worship. I was a Christian, a Christ follower. My husband, Forrest, wasn't attending church because of questioning his beliefs in the Mormon church he was raised in and their man-made laws and lack of grace. And despite a few friends and family not wanting me to marry him, I firmly believed that God intended for me to be married to him. After we were married, I went to church on my own, raised the boys going to church, and other than praying that Forrest would one day join me, I was content in my faith and walk with Jesus. I had loved serving at one time, but because I didn't want to take time away from Forrest, I put my serving on hold. Finally, my prayers were answered a little over eight years ago, and Forrest told me he wanted to start going to church with us, but he would be more comfortable in a smaller church. God had another plan and led us straight to OCC. Feeling a little more like I could reach out a bit, I started slowly volunteering. During all this time, other things were changing. We were experiencing the loss of several family members, and a 30-plus year friendship I had was unraveling. But mostly, Forrest was coming to know Jesus in a personal way. Enter the book, Glorious Mess. I was so excited when I heard Pastor Mike had written another book. Yes, I had read Miles to Cross. I got Glorious Mess the first day you could at church and came home, and on a rare Sunday afternoon with no plans, I sat down and read it straight through. Then I read it again. I loved it. At a time in my life where I was wondering about God's plan for me, I learned that I was not too old, too fat, too short, too inexperienced, or too uneducated for God to use me, and he wanted to use me. And wouldn't everyone want to know this for themselves? Almost immediately, I began wondering who else needed to read this. My answer, 
everyone. I began by buying 10 copies one Sunday after the service. I gave them out to close friends and family, then I started sending them out. Somewhere along the way, I started carrying them in the car just in case I needed one. During all this, I'd gotten a copy of another book titled Jesus Calling and felt that the books complemented each other, so I bundled them and gave them out. I started carrying Glorious Mess on trips in case I had a conversation with the person next to me and I had an opportunity to offer it. And sometimes I just leave it in the pocket on the plane with a note praying that the person who takes it be blessed. I went through my address list and sent one out to everyone I hadn't already given one to. I've gotten to hear a few stories about the impact this has had, but more than anything, I have just felt that I was supposed to do this, that I needed to say yes to God. And God's timing being perfect, Forrest understood that this was something I felt called to do and completely supported it. A year or so earlier, and that wouldn't have been the case. I honestly have never experienced anything like this before from God and have never responded to God's call like this before. I feel now like I'm a different person than I was two and a half years ago. I am much more open about my faith. I'm not embarrassed to pray with or in front of others and not shy about raising my hands in praise to Jesus. My life is forever changed. God is using and wants to use me. Wow. I've recently turned 56. This story is short in comparison to how old I am, and I know there's a lot more to what has taken place in my life, but I don't want to use too many words. This last February 24th, Pastor Mike honored me and gave me the manuscript for Right of Your Life. I think he gave it to me because he knew I was the number one fan of Glorious Mess. I loved it, and as soon as it was available, I pre-ordered 50 copies. After I pre-ordered, then I had a conversation with Forrest about how many copies he'd be okay with me handing out. <laughs> no kidding. I'm so glad I've got such a generous husband. This new book is so encouraging and a perfect tool for bring-biting friends to OCC. Honestly, all told, I stopped counting when I'd given out over 100 copies of Glorious Mess. I still buy them and always carry one with me because you just never know when you might need one. And now I have two books to carry with me. I don't feel that my story is very exciting, but I am excited about what, how, what God has done and is continuing to do. I want to be even more bold for Jesus and share who I know he is. I know there's still a lot of work to do with me, and I am in so many ways a mess, but he is relentless in his pursuit of me, just like he was with Jonah. Seriously, just like he was with Jonah. It's mind-boggling. The same God who created all things, pursued Jonah, is using me. Thank you for listening. I think Janie loves me more than my mom. Um, maybe close to that anyway. I, they could duke it out. Uh, thank you so much, Janie, and uh, even more to the point, thank you, Forrest, uh, wh yeah, wherever he is. I appreciate Forrest. Thank you, man. Uh, yeah. Hey, um, one of the reasons why I wanted Janie to share is because I just I wanted you to understand that it, all of us play a role. All, all of us. Remember, we are the church. We, we are all the members of one body, so we all play this role of inviting, bring-viting, encouraging others to come along in our faith journey. And that brings me to the second fill-in. It's this, that you would intentionally risk bring-viting, intentionally risk bring-viting with Right of Your Life for this series, for the Bring a Friend Sunday next week. 
Now, the reason why I'm saying this, the, the book is just a tool. We know that the absolute best thing in the world, the greatest tool that God could ever use to communicate his message is you. It's your life. That's absolutely true. You are the greatest evangelistic invitational tool. Just you, yourself, the way you live, the way you love, the way you care. But the book is a tool. It's just something in your hands. And our prayer is that it could be something that you would put in a friend's hands, that you could place it in in somebody that you care about. Say, hey, I was thinking about you. I bought this for you. I'd like to give this to you. Maybe this is something we could read together. Could we talk about this as we read it together? Would you be interested in coming to church with me? You see, it's just a tool, something that you can put in your hands for someone else. Um, I do want to remind you that next Sunday, you'll probably want to come to the 920 service because of the 10 a.m. Seahawk game, okay? So next week is a no-hawk talk zone. So what you could do is DVR the game, invite a friend to come to church with you, and then say, and we'll watch the game at my house afterwards. Uh, And uh, they'll appreciate that because, you know, everyone's nuts about the Hawks. Also, the next thing I want to say is we're asking everyone to join us on Tuesday Because on Tuesday, we'd like you to jump on whatever social media you use, whether Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, and and just begin to invite. And so I'm going to invite on my page, Overlake's page, all of our staff members, we're all going to jump on this Tuesday and help the invitation to go publicly. And then you can also use that to do private invitations to your friends, to the people that you've already given a book to. As we wrap this thing up, I want you to know that many of you disqualify yourselves right away when I begin to issue the challenge that God wants to use you to bring others to a knowledge of his love. That some of you are like, no, you don't understand my life. You don't understand how, you know, what a mess I am. Uh, All my neighbors know that I'm a mess. You know, all my coworkers know how stressed out I get. Like, there's no way that God could use my life in the season that I'm in right now in order to reveal his glory. And to that, I just want to say, have you ever read the Bible and seen the people that he uses in the Bible, right? There are just so many, like, all you have to do is open up the word and see all the kinds of folks that God uses. I'll just give you a quick list. Um, The first, Abraham was old. Moses stuttered. Excuse me, Leo was ugly. Gideon was scared. Noah, a drunk. Joseph was a streaker, Rahab a prostitute, Timothy was a teenager, Jeremiah was a crier, John ate locusts, Martha was a worrywart, Mary was lazy, Zacchaeus was vertically challenged, Samson had long hair, Ehud was left-handed, and Lazarus was dead. (laughs) So friends, no more excuses, right? If God can use them, God can use you. He can use your life, he can use your care, he can use your love, he can use your invitations. And I just want to remind you that you are the messenger, and the message has always been and will always be Jesus. You're the messenger, and the, mess- and the message has been and will always be Jesus. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, Since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. 
It's all about Jesus. It's all about what Jesus Christ has done for us, what Jesus Christ has done for the world, for God so loved that he gave his son, Jesus. That's the message. I had a a friend, I served with a friend on a church down in California for a couple of years. Her name was Amanda. And Amanda told me her story that when she was in ninth grade, her family moved to a new town. She started high school in a new place. She didn't have any friends. She's very shy, very timid. And so she connected with the first group that was kind to her. It was the pot-smoking group. And so all of the years of her high school, she was this cute little stoner chick. And she told me that when she was in her early 20s, someone invited her to come with them to church. She went to church. She met Jesus. Her entire life was changed. She ended up serving Christ. She ended up serving in ministry. That's where I was serving with her. She married a pastor. Now they are in ministry together in California. They're raising their children in the Lord. Like everything about her life was transformed because one person invited her to come to church. She said to me, and this is what killed me, she said, all during my high school years, I was interested in friends that went to youth group. I was interested in knowing what went on in their churches. But nobody ever invited me, and I wasn't brave enough to go by myself. I want to close with her story because I want you to understand that there is an Amanda in your life right now. And it might be somebody like Amanda, smoking pot. She looked like she was happy, content. She looked like she wasn't interested in church. She looked like she had her social connections all wired down. You might have judged her in those days, but what she was interested in was an invitation. And that person is in your life right now. That person's in your classroom or your neighborhood. That person's in your workplace, in your coffee shop. And so the challenge over Lake is together, all of us, we would risk bring vacation this week. Okay. Why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes, and I want you to pray with me. And as we pray, Holy Spirit, I, I ask that you would bring faces to our mind right now. I ask that you would bring faces of the people that we live near, the people that we work near, the people that we interact with on a weekly basis. Maybe it's a friend or a family member. Would you bring those faces to mind? And would you remind us that you love them so much that you went to the cross for them? Would you remind us that we are your ambassador to them? That you long to communicate your message of love through us to a world that is hurting desperately. And lastly, Lord Jesus, we ask that you would use us, that you would make us bold this week, that we would not be timid, that we have not received a spirit of fear, but rather we have the boldness that comes from being your son, your daughter. Let us walk in that boldness this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you.